This is a public service announcement for all empaths and highly sensitive people. It is okay to say no. It is okay to protect your energy. And it is absolutely okay to prioritize your peace. That is it. That's the message. Just kidding. I've got tons more to say about this in today's episode. So let me run the intro and let's get into it. Chopra Certified Health and Meditation Instructor, Wellbeing Advocate, and the Deputy Director of Enterprise for Refinery29 on Bothered. On this podcast, I create space for listeners to step into the highest versions of themselves. And I do that through meditation, affirmations, and my own self-reflection. For regular mind-body check-ins and practical tools for living fully, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Okay, so before we actually start this episode, I have a couple of upcoming events that I'm super excited about and really want to make sure I share with you. I have two meditation circles coming up. The first one is Sunrise Recalibration. It's on August 13th from 7 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. Eastern, and it's going to be on Insight Timer. This one is free 99, although donations are gratefully accepted. And it's a weekly morning meditation circle that serves as a container for the collective to get grounded for the week and journey toward inner peace. Bringing a journal is highly recommended, but not necessary. The second one is the Sunset Reset, which if you've been following me on Instagram, then you've heard me talking all about this one. It's on August 16th from 8 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. Eastern, and it's going to be via Zoom. This one is a $15 exchange. You can pay via PayPal or Venmo. And the payment details are in the episode description. This is a monthly meditation circle aimed toward collective recalibration. It was born from a really deep desire to bring serenity and rejuvenation to the community. And it's a space for folks from all over to put it all down and collectively exhale. Bringing a journal is recommended for this one also. Okay, that's it. That's the tweet. Or should I say the thread? (laughs) I have tons more exciting news coming in the forthcoming weeks. But for now, head to the links in the episode description, RSVP, and let's get into today's episode. What I've quickly come to relearn while living at home these last two months is that living with folks is hard. Living with family as an adult is especially hard. And if you're a highly sensitive person or an empath like I am, you can multiply the weight of those challenges by two or more. Why? Because navigating multiple personalities along with their day-to-day moods can be a lot for someone who soaks up their surroundings like a sponge. Whether we're living with family, friends, partners, roommates, many of us love the people we live with, if we're lucky. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that sharing space with them always feels good, especially if there's tension amongst members in the house or if someone in the house is harboring bad energy, both of which are the case in my situation. So with that being my reality, learning how to pull back 
in order to preserve my energy and protect my peace has been a bit of a learning curve for me. I have to keep reminding myself that it's okay to be doing so. Setting boundaries with family can be a slippery slope. And I have a feeling that at least one of you listening is also living at home in a similar situation. So I don't even need to explain where I'm coming from because you get it. Now, generally speaking, given that I've lived in NYC for a combined eight years, I'm no stranger to sharing space with other people. In fact, I'd say I've gotten pretty good at it. But at this point, After living on my own the last two years and experiencing the ease and the equanimity that comes with that, the only beings I'm really trying to share space with are me and my cat at this point, (laughs) for now at least. You know, I, I like to be able to clean things and have them stay clean for longer than a day. I like to put things where they belong and have them stay there. I like to meditate without chatter in the background most times of the days, you know, those sorts of things. Now, disclaimer, I do want to name that Despite the challenges, despite the annoyances, I am extremely grateful to be living here rent-free. You know, to have my childhood home as a landing pad, a place that has been a source of warmth and safety for me since my babyhood, it's a blessing during a chapter of my life that has felt anything but secure. But it is still a challenge. So I'd just like to hold space for these two things to be true at the same time, because duality. Before I continue, I want to make sure I emphasize that while you've probably seen it hashtagged a time or two, the term highly sensitive person is more than a trending social media phrase, okay? A highly sensitive person, or HSP, is someone who has heightened central nervous system sensitivity to physical, emotional, or social stimuli. According to Very Well Mind, some refer to this as having sensory processing sensitivity, or SPS. Highly sensitive people are sometimes negatively described as being quote-unquote too sensitive. I'm one of them, and just saying that to you is so triggering. But having high sensitivity is really just a personality trait and involves increased responsiveness to both positive and negative influences. And it does come with both strengths and some challenges. I'm raising my hand because I can attest to this as well. So where did the term originate? I was doing my Googles and I found the term highly sensitive person was first coined by psychologists Elaine Aaron and Arthur Aaron in the mid-1990s. So in 1996, Elaine Aaron published a book titled The Highly Sensitive Person, and that book really spurred growing interest in the term since its publication. In terms of the differences between HSPs and empaths, health.com explains that highly sensitive people are generally more sensitive to the environment and social interactions, and it takes them longer to take in information. Empaths share many qualities with HSPs, but they also have more developed intuition and absorb other people's emotions like sponges. So that said, Both HSPs and empaths really benefit from setting boundaries and creating space for restorative alone time. We'll talk about that a little more later on, since that's what I was getting into a few moments ago. Now, it's also important that I note that there is no official highly sensitive person diagnosis. 
Like you're probably not going to go to a psychologist and be diagnosed as a highly sensitive person. But essentially being an HSP does not necessarily mean that you have a mental health condition. Though being highly sensitive can come alongside conditions like generalized anxiety, for example. I give that as an example from my own experience because as someone with diagnosed anxiety, I am very sensitive to both my outer and inner environment, and I'm sometimes easily activated if I haven't been diligent with my self-care and mindfulness routines. So what is it like to be a highly sensitive person? For me, it looks like getting overwhelmed more easily or more often than non-sensitive folks. If you're an HSP, you might get overwhelmed by bright lights, loud noises, strong smells, and big crowds. I'm saying this and all I can visualize is Times Square. (laughs) Honestly, when I was living in New York, I would avoid Times Square whenever I could. You know, you might get frazzled when you're in a rush or you're short on time, or you might find it hard to relax when there's tons going on around you. According to Jean Fitzpatrick LP, a psychotherapist who specializes in working with HSPs, highly sensitive people tend to get overwhelmed or overstimulated because they process more information from their environment and from within than others do. Elaine Aaron has further explained, quote, HSPs process stimuli in a highly organized big picture way, which includes awareness of nuances and subtleties that others might not notice. Again, at times, HSPs can become extremely overstimulated by the sheer amount of information they may be asked to process. Non-HSPs in our society, who make up about 80% of the general population, do not experience the same level of overstimulation that causes distress to HSPs. And therefore, we might say that the amount of stimulation in the environment is set up for the other 80%, not for HSPs, end quote. The first time I read about HSPs was such a light bulb moment for me. I spent most of my life believing that I was an introvert. And while I can be a bit shy at times, the older I got, the less accurate that core belief about myself felt. What I actually began to realize in my adulthood is that it's not that I'm entirely introverted. Yes, I love and cherish my solitude and I can be very reflective and reserved but I actually really enjoy socializing and communing with other folks. It's just when the environments which I'm being social within become overloaded with sensory stimulation that I get overwhelmed and I need to retreat into myself because that's how I'm able to find equilibrium again. So it's really less about a preference for self and more about me needing to make sense of the external stimuli I'm taking in and how it's affecting me emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Too much at one time can feel like overload and sometimes even feel a bit triggering, which is probably why I've never been much of a party person. I'm the person at the function who needs to step outside for air and quiet multiple times throughout the event. And that's definitely why after eight years, I had to leave New York City. Being an empathic HSP is a bit of a double-edged sword. It's beautiful in the ways that it allows me to experience life from a rich perspective and connect deeply with my surroundings. 
but it can also really wear me out if I'm not intentional about balancing stimulation with stillness. is challenging about being an empathic HSP. Sometimes it makes you prone to being a people pleaser. Or at least that's my experience. I wouldn't say this is much of a challenge for me now because I've gotten unapologetically good at setting boundaries with folks in my 30s. But in my younger years, I found it so hard to say no to people because I'd then just sort of ruminate over what I perceived to be their disappointment. And it would stick with me for the next few hours or even days sometimes. Like I'd be sitting there thinking, maybe I shouldn't have said no to that invite. Do they think I'm selfish? Do they think I'm a loner? Do they think I don't like them? I don't like letting people down. So if I could avoid that in any way, even if that meant going against my own innate needs and desires, I would. Now listen, if you're a fellow empath or HSP and you feel like I'm dragging you across the floor right now, stop, do not pass go, do not collect $100, and listen very intently to what I'm about to say to you right now. You do not owe anyone your peace but yourself. And whether you're sharing space with a toxic family member, a challenging roommate, an ex-partner you don't like, a colleague that drives you nuts, it doesn't make a difference. The above still applies. I want to stress this in the context of living with family in particular, because I think the toughest thing about living with family especially if you're living with anyone you don't get along with or who is unhealthy or whose energy just isn't aligned with yours, you're expected to go along to get along because they're family. Like, oh, you know that's just how so-and-so is, so just let it go. Don't let it bother you. Let it roll off your back. I think this expectation is dangerous. One, because it can normalize harmful and toxic behaviors in the household in particular situations. And two, it repeatedly sets us up on the receiving end of said harmful and toxic behaviors, if that's your situation. And if you're someone who's hardwired to be more easily activated by such behaviors, then you're in for a lot of emotional disturbance. It's important to highlight that a lot of the challenges we face in our challenging family dynamics are deeply rooted in generational trauma. There's a lot of learning and unlearning involved in undoing the pain our families have carried in their blood across generations and affect the way that they interact with us. And that's where things become tricky. What is the healthy balance between exercising compassion and breaking cycles? Between calling out and calling in? That answer may look different for everyone, but at the end of the day, Say you've tried to voice how certain behaviors on your loved one's part makes you feel unseen, unheard, or hurt, etc., and you're not being received or nothing is changing. 
In that case, shifting how you show up in that environment can be so beneficial for your emotional well-being because you can't always change other people. And honestly, it's not your responsibility to try to. Maybe you have a sibling that's rude to you. Maybe you have a roommate that's hella disrespectful to you. Maybe you have a parent who doesn't know how to respond to emotions and dismisses your feelings when they arise in charged situations. Maybe you live with someone who sucks the energy out of every room they enter. Whatever your situation may be, while you may not always be able to fix or change it, know that you can absolutely choose to pull back your energy. There's something in psychology called the locus of control, and it's essentially an exercise that has you sit down and look at the things that are within your control, where you have some influence, and where you don't have any control at all. And often sitting down and making a list of those things can really help to put things in perspective and also give you more of a sense of ease and control in a situation that sometimes feels like there's no resolution. It doesn't always solve the situation itself, but it does help you to shift the ways in which you navigate it so that you're not feeling bogged down by things you don't have influence over. I'll leave a link to a resource on that in the episode description so you can read more about it. But getting back to what I was saying, you can learn to practice detachment and choose what you will and will not engage in. You can set boundaries in terms of how much time you will spend with the people you live with or what you will tolerate when you do choose to share space with them. Nine times out of 10, people won't like this. In some situations, you may even be rejected. But your peace is your right, and you don't owe it to anyone else just to make them feel comfortable. Boundaries are about you and not about the other person. Full stop, end of sentence. All right, now back to being a highly sensitive empath. Having to navigate an easily stimulated sensory system over the years I've developed a self-care toolbox that really helps me through overwhelming and challenging moments. Whether I've been in a tricky living situation or I've been feeling overstimulated by my day-to-day in general, the following tools have helped me keep my energetic shield strong. Take what resonates and see how it works for you. One, I prioritize my downtime. Between the hours of 5.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m., don't bother me. (laughs) I'm flowing through my morning routine, which consists of feeding my cat, going on a bike ride, stretching, meditating, and doing a little reading or journaling if I have time left over. Between the hours of 7 p.m. and 9 p.m., don't bother me. (laughs) I'm unplugging from my day and winding down with texts to my friends, a warm bath, or meditation. The theme here is that my downtime is sacred and I don't play about it for anyone. It's what helps me stay grounded at the start of the day and unwind at the end of it. And without it, I'm very easily depleted and more sensitive to triggers. So I really try to make sure that I don't allow anything to get in the way of it. Two, I move at a steady pace. Nothing will throw off my entire mood like having to rush through something. If I need to be somewhere, I do my best to start preparing for that outing a couple of hours before. 
In the mornings, I get up early enough to have space to move through my entire grounding morning routine before I even think about checking emails. As an HSP or empath, any way you can minimize being forced to rush through something is a win because it minimizes the chances of you becoming activated and frazzled. Three, I say no when I don't have the capacity. Whether I'm being asked to split my attention and multitask while I'm trying to be mindful and present at home, or I'm being invited to participate in an activity at the end of a long day when I'm tired, if I don't got it, then I don't got it. And if you don't got it either, that's okay. I'm also learning that I don't always have to give more of an explanation than that. You can if you want, but know that when it comes to legitimately taking care of yourself, you really don't owe one. Four, I lean on my community. Friends and chosen family can really be that healing balm when the folks you share space with aren't vibrating on the same frequency as you or are creating negative living environments. So staying connected with people who make you feel good can be so nourishing to the soul when dealing with tough situations at home. While I'm still rediscovering my community down here in Florida, I check in with at least one of my long distance friends once a day, whether by phone call, voice note, text, or FaceTime, and it really keeps me centered. Sorry, y'all, for these parrots in the background. They are out of pocket at this time in the morning. But to continue, the fifth thing that I do that I find to be really supportive, and y'all already knew I was going to say this, I practice meditation. As an empath and HSP, tuning into yourself regularly is a must. It allows you to connect with your mind, body, and your specific spiritual needs. Additionally, meditation creates space for you to differentiate between the energy of others and your own. This is a big one because HSPs can have a hard time distinguishing other feelings from their own because we feel so much empathy. So since overwhelm can be a challenge for us, it's important to take good care of ourselves and meditation can really help us do that. You might even consider doing a visualization meditation where you imagine a protective energetic shield veiling around you. But if the idea of setting aside time every day to sit in stillness seems boring or intimidating, I get it, it's not for everyone, you can trade it out for something like a walking meditation in nature. You know, take a stroll, smell the flowers, listen to the birds. I'm not trying to be funny. Literally do this because getting outside and immersing your senses in the primordial essence of nature is one of the most grounding resets you can gift to your nervous system. And lastly, I find healthy distractions. Keyword healthy. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself is tune out what's troubling you and do something you find relaxing. Whether that's reading a book, phoning a friend, or binging your favorite TV show, distracting your mind with something you enjoy can be just what it needs to allow it to calm down. Navigating the world as an HSP or empath can feel frustrating at times. But once you find some balance and learn to harness your energy, things become so much easier. So I hope these tips can help you. And remember, 
there is absolutely nothing wrong with putting yourself first. I'm wishing you so much peace and grounding. Until next time, bye y'all. Y'all already know you can reach me by emailing me at hello at stephrlong.com or by hitting me up on Instagram at stephrlong. If you feel moved to support me, I welcome you to leave a review or you can buy me a cup of tea by visiting the coffee link in the episode description. But most importantly, don't forget to share this episode with your friends.